the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. We're talking today with Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, who is coincidentally also the executive director of the American Constitutional Rights Union. And Lieutenant Colonel, you recently penned an article for the uh, ACRU's website where you raised many of these issues and you made the point, and I'd like to have you elaborate on this for the benefit and understanding of our listeners. You made the point in saying, and I'm quoting, the military is a discriminatory organization because its mission is not about a profits and loss statement. What do you mean by that? Well, the military is a discriminatory organization. If you have flat feet, you can't join the military. If you have asthma, you can't join the military. Uh, as a commander, I put people out of the military because uh, they were overweight. Uh, they couldn't pass a physical fitness test. So we're very discriminatory in, uh, in who we are and what we allow and accept. We have standards because our profit loss uh statement is not based upon dollars and cents, it's based upon lives. And we want to have the best qualified people. And, you know, going back as we closed our previous segment, uh, you know, I, I can bash the Army too. Uh, the current Secretary of the Army, I mean, Christine Warmoth, came out and said that she wants to recruit a new uh, a new soldier uh, and that she is not looking at recruiting soldiers from families that have generationally served the military. So that means a family like mine. So why would you not want to continue a legacy of service, sacrifice, and commitment in families? What, what is it that you want to go out there and recruit? What are you calling these new soldiers? And so when you talk about, you brought up uh, integrating, uh, this whole thing about inclusion, it is it is inclusion by lowering our standards. You know, one of the pitfalls of this whole gender dysphoria movement in the military is that these individuals can request for and receive an exemption from any physical fitness uh, training and testing. Now, how are you going to have a, a strong and qualified military if you have a percentage of people that don't have to maintain any type of physical readiness and therefore they're not going to be deployable uh, uh, for, for any type of operation? So that's how this very warped and woke military, uh, this ideological agenda of the progressive socialist left, is going to undermine our national security. You know, they're very good with pronouns. Uh, the Air Force Academy, you can't say uh, sir or ma'am or, or mom and dad uh, in the uh, in the Army. You know, we've got these issues with, uh, you know, these people that want to have their gender transition surgeries paid for. The Navy right now does not have enough amphibious uh, landing ships to uh, transport the Marines. Uh, and the Marines, that's their number one uh, mission, is in conducting amphibious assaults. So who is paying attention to what is going on in our country? China, Russia, Iran, North Korea, Islamic jihadists. You know, by the way, we just uh, had camera footage and surveillance footage of uh, cartel members uh, operating on our side of the border here in Texas, 
carrying of weapons and also body armor. So we, we have some very serious national security and readiness issues we have to confront. And it seems as if this sort of, uh, you know, newfangled, touchy-feely, uh, psychobabble edition of the, the United States military, when you've got top brass making these kind of comments, I mean, I, I, I've mm-hmm. got to believe that everybody driving on San Francisco Bay Area freeways probably, you know, wound up putting their fists through the, the radio speaker in their dashboard if they have had multiple generations of service in whatever branch of the United States military. Quite often, and this is not to single them out, but quite often they are some of the most dedicated people because there's such a, a sense of familial honor that ties into yes. multi-generational service. And so in, instead of saying that, seeing that as a good thing, they turn it into something bad. And I've got to believe at, at multiple layers, listen, you and I are talking about this on the radio, clearly our enemies also know what's going on, and this has to give them a tremendous sense of comfort. Yes, it does. I mean, China knows that it now has more surface uh, vessels than our United States Navy does. Uh, and the Pacific is a very big ocean. And the last time we saw an Asian nation invest heavily in its maritime forces, I think everyone can remember what happened on that day that will live in infamy, December the 7th, 1941. And so history has a way of repeating itself. So, yes, they are paying attention. They know that when you look at the Heritage Foundation Index of Military Readiness, that uh, we are below average for our military readiness, and we're not improving. And this is not something that the Biden administration seems to be focused on. It's not something that even the senior level leadership of the military seems to be focused on. They're more so focused on implementing an ideological agenda in our military than being prepared to, you know, support and defend the Constitution and our way of life and defend our interests across the globe. And when you look at nuclear capable nations like communist China, like Mm -hmm. Russia, like North Korea, and then you see what's going on with the saber rattling taking place. Of course, North Korea does this almost ad nauseum. Now we're seeing China do it on an increasing basis in relationship to Taiwan, undoubtedly emboldened by some of the acts of uh, of Mr. Putin on the other, the opposite of continent. Uh, it, this is very disturbing, particularly when you know we we learn some very difficult lessons in the early days of World War II when yes, we, we woke up one day and realize we're not ready for any of this. We were able to rebuild our military to levels of where it was during World War One and beyond and went on to you know literally become, what did Roosevelt call us, the, the arsenal for democracy and, and literally save not only all of Europe but the vast majority of the Pacific. And yet here we are 70, 80 years later about to repeat some of the mistakes of 1937, 1938. It doesn't make any sense. You're absolutely right, and that really is where we are when you think about 1938, 1939. And so when I think about the United States Army's uh, first engagement of World War II, and that was Kazarine Pass in 1942, it was a debacle. We were absolutely decimated and destroyed by Rommel's North Africa Corps, and that's why Eisenhower decided to bring in that horse cavalry guy by the name of General George Patton because he knew that we had to, you know, quickly recover from that. But I want the, the folks, your listeners there in Northern California to understand something, that right now, just to the north of you, off the, uh, the coast of Alaska, yep. Russian and Chinese naval uh, uh, flotilla, 
they're conducting maneuvers and exercises. So what does that tell you? That tells you that we have an enemy that understands that right now our maritime capability capacity, as everyone knows, is not up to par, not up to standard. And they are pushing the issue. Well, they're going to see how far they can push. Uh, no doubt about that. And mm-hmm. and if anybody thinks that the topic of Taiwan, for example, is a settled issue, uh, it, it isn't by a long shot. And, and it ought to instill, I hate to say it, but we need to be frank here, it ought to instill fear in the heart of every American, particularly for those of us uh, in, in the, the largely reachable um, West and East Coast. But the, the broader mm-hmm. notion here of uh, this this troubling trend within multiple branches of the United States military. I would imagine that the old guard, a lot, a lot of your colleagues, um, and again, for benefit of listeners, we're talking with Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, who served in the United States Army honorably for 21 years, retiring in 2004, and then um, once again returning to active service in the Texas State Guard. But during your tenure, there's got to be a lot of your peers that would absolutely be losing their mind over even the suggestion that we head in this kind of direction. I mean, who's ever talked about setting a racial cap inside of any branch of the United States military unless this was 1912? Oh, we we absolutely are, and you can go to any uh, military internet site where veterans are having conversations, and we are completely livid about what we see happening in the military. And we're trying to speak up. And you know, one of the things that uh, we started at the uh, American Constitutional Rights Union is a constitutional conservative veterans organization called the Committee to Support Defend. Because as I stress, just because you take your uniform off does not mean that your oath to support and defend the Constitution and stand in the gap is over. Uh, that that has no statute of limitations. So we want veterans to continue to get engaged and let their voices be heard, especially when it comes to our military readiness and our national security. Well, we appreciate what you're doing, and uh, it's a shame that these matters even need to be called attention to, let alone discussed. I mean, anybody capable of reading the headline stories can tell you that this is not the time to engage in social experimentation in the United States military. But here we are, and that means all of us, um, whether you have served in honorably in the United States military or you're just a lifelong civilian, this affects all of us. This affects the safety and security of every American. So we need to be letting Congress know what we think about this. And uh, you can certainly get better educated. Check out the ACRU, like American Constitutional Rights Union, the ACRU.org. Fascinating article by uh, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West called The Pitfalls of Identity Politics. And boy, when you start to mix that in with the military dangerous combination. Our thanks again um, to uh, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West for being with us, and thank you very much for not only your your previous duty, but your ongoing duty to our nation. There's Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. If we look at what's going on in the headlines these days, and even in just day-to-day life in a state like California, or even in the United States, maybe on the planet, You probably have concluded more and more Americans seem to be stressed out. Getting ready for the show tonight, I'm reading a news story about a brawl that broke out at O'Hare Airport at the luggage belt. And literally people fighting and 
fists flying and suitcases flying, the whole bit. I mean, it's just absolute madness. Everybody seems to be stressed out, dealing with anxiety, depression, fear and stress. Part of it's the state of the economy, certainly nationally, perhaps your own personal economy. Part of it, we see it every day here in the Bay Area, street violence, muggings, carjackings, road rage, gun violence, gun violence in our schools, the movie theaters, the malls, even on the freeways. A lot of Americans feel very nervous, on edge. Many of us, perhaps, that have personally experienced some of these things I just spoke of, who've been through it, but never healed from it. My first guest tonight has written a new book dealing with the issue of trauma and how to be set free. The book is titled Set Free, Released from the Damage of Trauma. Joining me is lead pastor from Sunrise Church of Clovis. He's a doctor to ministry degree from Liberty University. He's authored a number of best-selling books, including his latest Set Free, Released from the Damage of Trauma. Pastor J. Otis Ledbetter, thank you so much for taking some time to be with us tonight. It's my pleasure, and thank you, Craig, for allowing me to come on your show. It's just such an honor. You know, this subject of stress, anxiety, depression, I mean, it it hardly seems that any of us um, are safe from it or uh, isolated from it. And and while all of that is true, all of us don't deal with it in the same fashion. And, And some people either seemingly figure out how to manage it or maybe stuff it down and ignore it. Others seem to fall apart. Walk us through, first and foremost, why you felt this topic was critical so critical to write about uh, well i saw it happening and, and as a counselor uh I've, I've got 54 years of counseling and i've counseled all the way from uh you know being in a college setting university setting and they would send the, the students to me to i was a chaplain in in the uh, air guard for the 144th interceptor wing and the pilots would come because if uh, they came to me as a counselor and not to a psychologist or a therapist, didn't go on the record. So I was first line. And I just spoke to so many, and I saw, even in, in, in my church, what you were saying before. So, so much has happened in a lifetime, and it, the, the intensity of it builds up and the pressure builds up, and then all of a sudden you act out. And generally, you'll act out of some traumatic event that has happened to you, and that's what I've seen over all all this time. Just some traumatic event that has uh, that has taken place, and all of a sudden, it, 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 the acting out comes. Now, trauma. You said it that all of us have had bad things happen to us. I don't. I don't think I've ever met anybody who hasn't had some sort of a traumatic event happen to them. But. That's not trauma. The event is not the trauma. The trauma is the chronic reaction to that event. Um, That's why three people can suffer the same event and only one will suffer trauma uh, from it. Uh, Everybody else, uh, it took it in stride. They know that it happens to everybody. They walk through it. They journey through it. I don't say they get over it because it's not a disease you get over. It's, it, it is just something that happened to you. You walk through it. You get to the other side and you understand that everybody's been through it. But there are some that can't get through it. 
and uh, so they suffer the trauma. And that's who generally I deal with who comes into to my office and says, you know, I can't get through this and I'm suffering fear, I'm suffering horrible anxiety and I don't know what to do about it. Or, or uh, some has said, I had somebody tell me just the other day, the isolation that I'm experiencing has brought hopelessness and desperation and desperation, you know what that leads to. You're thinking, you know, is it is it worth living? Is this, you know, if this is the way life is, if this all there is, then maybe there's another alternative. And they go there. Um, so that I think that definition is what we need to know as as we speak further, because some people who suffered the event, they don't have trauma. But the ones that have trauma, they're the ones that are, are, are really seeking for something. And, and let's be clear about this, uh, Dr. Ledbetter. Uh, some eavesdropping on our conversation today might say, Pastor, you have absolutely described me to a T. But this doesn't necessarily suggest the, the, the inability to be able to work through it all, that it's necessarily a, a character flaw, per se. Right. Is, is it the fact yeah. that some have... Uh, more nuanced coping skills or others that may be even the impact of of cumulative events that ultimately lead to our inability to manage the big event that becomes a trigger point for us that then leads us to either lash out or to cope in ways that are extremely unhealthy, up to and including, as you suggest, even those who, out of desperation, are just looking for some kind of a relief valve. And whether that relief valve is self-harm or harm toward others, is a lot of this a lack of skill, essentially? Well, that's that's a really good thought. That's a really good point you've made right there. Um, I'm dealing with a, a fellow now. He's he's uh, in his late fifties, and um, he uh, he's actually lives far away from me. I'm in California, and he's on the East Coast. And we've been talking because he picked up uh, picked up one of the books, and he wanted he just wanted to talk. So we have a mutual friend. So I've been talking to him, and he he told me he said, you know, on my life, I've got more money. Then I need at this point, if I never worked another day, I could live the rest of my life. Money is not my need. Achievement, I have, I've achieved my goals and I, I have, um, you know, that's, that's not my problem. He said, my problem is I just, I, I just feel disconnected and I, 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 my life's purpose with my life's meaning it it's just not there anymore and i have searched for it and searched for it and searched for it and what is happening to this young man i can i can believe there's somebody listening to your show today that is exactly like this fella who what we call it is existential crisis or an existential despair they just have come to a point where they've achieved everything they wanted to achieve, but they've lost their purpose in life. They've lost the meaning of, for what they achieved all of those things for, and they turn around and look, and that's gone. And what has happened is events in his life, as he talks to me, the number of divorces, the number of people that have walked away from the friendships, the things that have just accumulated, have built a pressure. And now he told me the other day the same thing. You know, I've thought of things I shouldn't be thinking about. 
And um, so I, I think that's what it is. We've lost our meaning, the meaning of our life. We've lost life's purpose. So my my talk to him is that you you you've got to find you've got to connect back with that life purpose because if if you don't have meaning if you don't have purpose then all kinds of things come into your life and the traumatic events can take that away from you especially things like covid we're we've we've been a few years from covid but covid is still damaging people's lives because of the isolation that happened and the loss of jobs and having to find something else to do and they will tell you uh, my meaning I, I don't have meaning in my life and how, and how, how ironic it is doctor that you'll find people that will retreat because they feel so overwhelmed and for them retreat is sort of a, a self-preservation mechanism but in doing so that isolation instead of making them feel better actually exacerbates the problem and and and, you know when we come back after the break i want to dive into this a little bit deeper because it also occurs to me that part of this too might come down to a matter of not just purpose in life but also perspective in life that for some people they see a particular event say you're in a car accident identical set of circumstances for one person they look at it and say yeah that's okay you know worse things have happened in life before and i'll be all right and they move on and other people get completely overwhelmed by it is part of that a matter of perspective on life events if you've just joined our conversation tonight dr j otis ledbetter lead pastor at sunrise church of clovis author of a number of best-selling books his latest right on the money for where so many of us are living today set free released from the damage of trauma we'll get a bit more detailed as our conversation continues here on kfax And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. We are talking about trauma and how some manage it better than others. And we certainly all go through events in our life that can have an emotional, sometimes even a physical impact on us. As we're learning today from best-selling author, Dr. J. Otis Ledbetter, uh, lead pastor, by the way, at Sunrise Church in Clovis. It's got a new book out called Set Free, Released from the Damage of Trauma. Uh, part of it has to do with our, our, our sense of positivity as it has meaning and, and, and purposefulness in life. And part of it I have to wonder... Dr. Ledbetter, if it's also a matter of perspective, some people see things, you know, from the old adage, depends on which side of the telescope you're looking through. One one end will, will magnify and the other one will minimize. Some people do better at minimizing events in life and therefore managing it better. And while there are others, and I would add myself in that list, that oftentimes will, as the old saying goes, make a mountain out of a molehill. Is perspective a big part of this? I really like what you're saying. I really like the point you're making, too, because it, it really is. Um, uh, when, when you're suffering from trauma, every, everything, um, looks, everything looks like the enemy. Um, even the good things look like the enemy. And when you come to the point of, of where this fellow I was talking about earlier, where you've lost all your meaning in life, 
that's really not a psychological disorder, and that's not what we're talking about. We're we're talking about uh, something that is very manageable. They will tell you you don't even need a therapist if if this is if, if they call it like I said existential crisis or existential despair. And so you just simply say to them, you've got to change your perspective. Um, several things you can do to change your perspective is begin to rely on your loved ones. I mean, this rugged individualism, that's a good thing, but there comes a time where you can't do it alone, so you rely on your loved ones. And begin to express those things are, that are inside you. That releases that pressure when you talk about it, when you say it. As a matter of fact, when, when, when it's no longer a secret how you feel, then the it's, it's no longer a lie you're living, and the, the devil has no power to make you ashamed anymore, so it's out there. So express how you feel and find some joy in the small things um, of life. If you like ice cream, pull the car over and go get an ice cream. You know, if you, if you like to watch a, a sports game, then uh, do your chores and get to the couch and turn that TV on and watch some small, and then focus Focus on what you can control. Too many times we focus on what is out of our control, and that's what trauma tends to do to us. It's totally out of my control. There's nothing I can do. Like Elijah said, you know, uh, he left his uh, servant when he was running from Jezebel, and he left his servant, went a day's journey, got under a broom tree, and said to God, you know, I'm no better than my ancestors. Just take my life. Suicide was on his mind. Um, he was focusing on what he could not control. He couldn't control that woman, but he could control um, uh, his attitude toward that uh, the situation. He, he just had a great victory. Maybe somebody ought to keep a gratitude journal. Maybe practice some meditation. Maybe a, a, a good small group out of church or a support group in the community is good. And this one fellow I'm talking to, trying to get him to reconnect with his life's purpose. And that's actually happening. He's actually doing that. So, yes, perspective is critical in in the healing process of um, the trauma, of the damage that trauma has done to you. And it sounds, too, as you're suggesting that that support system is also vitally important. I mean, going back to your example, how often do we hear stories of the tragedy of someone who takes their life And then as friends and family and those around them are interviewed, they say, well, we had no idea. Oh, they just seemed to be fine. This was just just completely out of left field. And uh, maybe that suggests that, you know, when we're going through experiences that we're having a difficult time to manage, there's got to be something in, in our flawed, sinful DNA that causes us to retreat. Maybe part of it is something that's happened for which we are feeling a sense of guilt or shame and so the mechanism is to withdraw from others almost as a as a coping mechanism and yet it ends up having just the opposite effect as you're suggesting that as we as we retreat and we we want to hold all of that in that what we're doing is we're cutting ourselves off then from a lot of the very avenues that could help us manage it and keep it in proper perspective amazing that's so that's so true mostly we choose to respond to injustices horizontally rather than vertically. Our our focus is strictly on ourselves and the wrong that's done against us. And it's we live in a horizontal world. And the, our challenge is, is how do we live vertically? 
in a horizontal world. Um, and you've got to learn how to live vertically. And that's a difficult thing to do. It's easy to sit here and say, but that's a difficult thing to do. And, you know, I'm reminded in Scripture that, that Christ being fully human and yet fully God, that he, he suffered many of the same temptations that we did. And maybe part of that perspective, too, is understanding that while it might feel in the moment as if nobody could possibly relate to how we're feeling, what we're going through, how we're reacting to an event or a cumulative total of the impact of multiple events, can God really relate to what we're going through? Oh, he's been tempted in every point, just as we have, and and he's come through it, and that's the beauty of it. And people say, well, he was God, but he was 100% God, but he was 100% man. So he feels the exact same thing and the exact same pain that we feel. And because he's felt it, and because he's gotten through it, and because he's defeated it all, even our ultimate enemy he's defeated, we have a pathway to victory ourselves. And I would say to anybody who's been suffering, suffering through it, you can have victory. You can begin again if that's necessary. Just make up your mind, this is over, and I'm going to begin again, whatever that looks like. And whatever that needs to look like in your life, you can begin again. In your book, you spend some time talking about managing things better through things like self-control, self-mastery, and clearly, as we've talked about, that sense of purpose and perspective, uh, learning that that self-management and how we react, critically important. And when we come back, I want to talk a bit about how we go about acquiring those skills, how we can perfect those skills. Uh, again, a lot of people eavesdropping right now might say, Craig, you don't understand what I've been through. I mean, it it, it's not just this one event. It's multiple things that have happened, or, or maybe it is one big major event that has suddenly just paralyzed you. So how do you move from paralysis to purpose, perspective, and better self-management? We'll talk about that next. Best-selling author, Dr. J. Lotus Ledbetter with us tonight. He is the lead pastor at Sunrise Church in Clovis. His new book is called Set Free, Released from the Damage of Trauma. Book available, by the way, um, bookstores throughout the Bay Area. You can also get it online through Amazon.com or through Pastor Ledbetter's website, joledbetter.com. We'll take a time out back with more of our dialogue as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. We're here very close to the one-year anniversary of the tragic Vivaldi shooting in Texas. And boy, talk about traumatic experience that can be paralyzing. How does one get free from all of that, move past it? Dr. J. Otis Ledbetter with us this evening. The book, Set Free, Released from the Damage of Trauma. Let's talk a bit about how we develop these skills. You've talked, Dr. Ledbetter, about the importance of purpose in life, certainly the matter of perspective. Let's talk about some of the methodology that we use to learn how to face these events and move past them. I mean, we're not going to erase them. They're not going to cease to be part of our history. But how can we move past them to the point where they don't haunt us and taunt us every day? I think we learn how to own them. Uh, they are a part of our life. They are a part of our history. 
and they will color your life and generally you get to choose the crayon that you want to co- the color of the crayon you want to use we can you can either color yourself dark or you can color yourself to a, a much brighter color but one of the things you, we have to do is we've got to become skilled at managing our negative emotions um, the negative emotions are, are what's going to take us down and the, and the scripture says you know when you have a broken heart you, negative emotions are going to come but the psalm says the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and then he saves such as have a contrite spirit so that what happens is you have to turn from that broken heart to have a contrite spirit manage those negative emotions God's provided the power for us through the fruit of the Spirit to overtake uh, any negative that's in our lives. So once you start managing, the first thing you do is you articulate your negative emotions. You put a face on them. You can't fight a faceless enemy. So once you put a face on that negative emotion, then emotion, then you can begin. You can begin to beat it. You see, and we are. Your negative emotions are going to make you believe lies. And we are destined um, to become more and more confused the longer our head tries to accept as true something our heart knows isn't. And so produce openings in your life for positivity. You see, you don't stumble across the happy life. You create it. Mm. Um, And so begin to create that happy life. And Paul talks about that. Paul talks about in Ephesians. He said to that church, he said, I want you to let all bitterness, all wrath, all anger, all clamor, all evil speaking, put it away from you. In there is the word anger. And he didn't say, I want you to manage your anger. You can't manage that. It's not manageable. Um, I, I, I was watching TV one day, my wife and I, and down on the bottom where those little little uh, blurbs go across uh, as you're watching the news, it tells you other news that's happening. It said, man kills man in anger management class. And I jumped up, I jumped up to write it down because I didn't want to miss that, the date and everything, because you can't manage anger. It's like trying to keep a beach ball under the water. Eventually, it'll turn you over in surface. He said, let all of that be put away from you, not managed, be put away from you. And then he said, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So you manage, you make room in your life for positivity because um, that helps give you quality thoughts. And quality thoughts are positivity's favorite food. And um, that's that's how you get out of out of the doldrums. And Paul said, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are a good report, all these things, think on these. Don't think on the negative. Think on these because God knows that if you want to live vertical in a horizontal world, you've got to think positive. You've got to think this direction. And that's, a, that's, that's some of the first steps. Manage those negative emotions and then open your life up for positivity. And don't, if you don't stumble across a happy life, start creating your happy life. Is it also important to sort of um, acknowledge 
almost in a, in a fashion to forgive ourselves, because I think sometimes people will get into this, they're, they're kind of stuck in their set yeah. of circumstances. And now it shifts yeah. from what happened to them to somehow feeling that they are a failure, their faith is insufficient, their trust in God is insufficient, and therefore the reason why they're having to, to deal with all of this, this negativity. And, and so that's one question. And then the other question is, do we need to see this as, as we talk about being released from the damage of trauma as not a singular event, but rather a process, meaning what might have been the trigger could have been a singular event, but climbing back out of the impact of that, more of a process, and, and I ask that question because some people say, well, I went to church and prayed, but uh, but I'm still feeling like this, or, or you know, I, I, I read this particular passage in the Bible, and I, I really tried to take it to heart, and I'm still feeling this way. I think about Paul. Yeah. addressing the notion of having to die daily that suggests that part of this is a process. Yeah, absolutely a process. Uh, and um, <clears throat> I, I dealt with that at length at the book previous to this, and it was a 13-year project called Soul Hunger. And in it identified the nine human hungers that God gives us. And those those nine human hungers are what we deal with on a daily basis. And through with some theologians, some therapists, and together we identified. Well, we took all hungers that we could think of, and I think we come up with forty-seven of them. And we wanted to reduce it until it, that list was irreducible, and it became irreducible at nine. There's nine hungers. Well, there's nine fruit of the spirit that God gave us that will satisfy those hungers. And if you could only use the fruit of the spirit to satisfy those hungers you would never have a problem in your life the difficulty the difficulty is is when the devil comes along and he says i can satisfy those hungers and i can satisfy them quicker and i'll give you two to everyone god gives you and that's the deeds of the flesh and so the war that rages within us that you're talking about that war we think we've got it and then we see we're still in a war and war is hell and and you don't go to war over something you don't want you don't go to war over territory you don't want so the flesh is warring against the spirit over those hungers and we tend to feed those hungers with the works of the flesh because it's easier to satisfy them with the works of the flesh it's quicker and it seems the right thing to do instead of allowing the fruit of the spirit to to do that so yeah to your point yes and people get stuck i've, I've heard that a hundred times pastor i go to church i pray i do everything read my bible i do what you tell me to do but i'm still stuck and it's because our choices of our choices the deeds of the flesh we're allowing the deeds of the flesh to satisfy those hungers and not the fruit of the spirit well, and let's face it, it's a natural sin nature inclination to look for the quick way out, the easy way Absolutely. out. And some people will Absolutely. say, you know, well, I, I'm going through this, but, you know, I think the easy way out is I'm going to anesthetize for myself from the pain by drinking or using drugs, whatever the case might be. We're, we're, yeah. we're looking for a flesh-based solution to what is at the core a spiritual issue, because let's face it, isn't this one of the, one of the greatest tools that the enemy has? has to to defeat us is to deceive us and and that is to to get us so down on ourselves and so stuck in a rut that we can't overcome the damage of trauma and therefore he renders us of no effect 
Yes, and what you said is again, you're just you're you're, you're on point totally. Do you use the word deceive? Um, we are deceived and we don't know we're deceived. The very definition of the word deceive means you don't know you're deceived. Um, and so we're deceived. We don't know that we're deceived. So we stay in that. And the only way we can get out of it is purposefully. As I said, you, you, you articulate that, put a face on it. And once you put a face on it, you can battle that enemy. And God has given us plenty of, uh, um, plenty of pathways out of it. And he hasn't given us a spirit of fear, has he? No, he hasn't. If you have the spirit of fear, that's not what God, God, God gives you the spirit of love and a sound mind. And I think that's something that we need to remind ourselves with. And I, and I want to be careful for listeners not to think that we're suggesting you're going to hypnotize yourself here. Um, you know, but I think there's a degree to which self-talk talk when it's biblically based. I mean, what, what does the Bible say about whatever is pure, whatever is holy, whatever is wholesome? Think on these things. And so part of it is to, to change our the way we kind of train our brain, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And the scripture is very, it, it, it is very clear saying as a person thinks, that's what they become. Wow. So if you're somebody that's kind of stuck in a rut, maybe you are a, uh, a bit of a victim to uh, a friend of mine referred to it as stinking thinking, uh, this book can indeed uh, be groundbreaking for you on your road to recover from, to get out from underneath, to experience the process arriving at freedom. By reading the book, Set Free, Released from the Damage of Trauma. We've clearly just touched the surface today. And a conversation like this is not meant to send you away with all the answers and say, gee, gosh, I listened to Dr. Ledbetter on Lifeline and now everything is well. No, but if we get you thinking and praying and acting in the right direction, if the very minimum you take that first step toward becoming free, in that process that we talked about a moment ago. Well, I think we've done our job, but you got to do your job. I want to thank uh, Dr. J. Otis Ledbetter, lead pastor at Sunrise Church in Clovis, for his time today. The book, Set Free, Released from the Damage of Trauma. And uh, you can find it through Amazon.com or through Dr. Ledbetter's website at J-O-Ledbetter, L-E-D-B-E-T-T-E-R.com. Thank you so much, Dr. Ledbetter, for your time and very valuable insights. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to KFAX.com. That's KFAX.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time around, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.